Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, and welcome to something that's not shit, both in terms of the podcast and the show we're covering. Thank God for that. Oh, always time for some detox. Anyway, uh, I am Shaden, and joining me as always from across the pond, close my heart, is the subtle doctor. Wow. How refreshing is this hot cup of not shit? I know. I vote very refreshing. It's, it's my favorite brand, you know, the not, not shit corp, you know. That's right. No, made in uh, Japan, as it were. Yep. 100% not terrible for you. All right. So anyway, this is, of course, Second Stream. This is our patron-only exclusive early look at an ongoing show with a slightly different format than our usual, you know, live stream um, method of doing things. And we're back to cover the winner of our season three of Second Stream uh, poll, which is of uh, the case files of Jula Richard. Uh Hard fought. A, a strong campaign was waged in, you know, in a fashion that makes me think that, the you know, one of our fans, one of our patrons should actually become a politician, perhaps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was really, um, I mean, I don't even think he was going to the mat for it to be covered. Uh, he just loves some, some Jula Richard. And then suddenly it was like, oh, wow. This anime is coming out in January. Oh, it it could win the poll. Oh my gosh! And it really came together quite nicely mm-hmm. for uh, for our patron for uh, for K. You all know, indeed. You all know who it is for K and uh, good old Diamond Dick. As uh, <laughs> I'm calling Dick. the thing, yes. Oh, uh, Dicky boy, I'm go- I'm the, jewels, uh... the jewels are calling. <laughs> well, you know, next time I do an online Dane profile, that's going to be like the sum total of my written profile. Diamond Dick. Diamond Dick. 24 carat, I tell you. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, this reminds me of uh, something from wrestling. Oh, man. Should I say it or should I not say it? I'm debating. I, I've, I've, well, we're this far in. We might as well get out of our system now because I know you're going to well, be thinking about it for a while. Well, it's because there are two characters called uh, uh, Simon Diamond and uh, Dick. And uh, <laughs> basically, the shtick consisted of this was some kind of trashy American pro wrestling in the, the mid 90s. Um, basically, Diamond would come out there with, uh, with Dick, who was a large, muscular man. And uh, he would point at Dick and say, like, hey, everyone, this is my dick. My dick is huge. My dick is vascular. And it, on and on. You you get the joke. Wow. But, took uh, him all yeah, day saying to think diamond dick made me think. That was a deep, deep intellectual exercise in the creation of that joke. I mean... It's, and also digging it up to talk about it. <laughs> I, I, I would <laughs> imagine. So, I mean, hey, you know, it's it's actually, you know, just past the level of Ricky Gervais's most recent uh, humor. So... <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I'm throwing shade at you, Ricky. Go fuck yourself. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the fucking golden. Some of the Golden Globes comments he made, which is like, I I wanted to hate them because I find him a a tedious individual. Uh, but when I read what he said, sometimes it did make me giggle a time or two. Well, you know, it's like it's like the uh, you know. It's the law of all aging comedians. They do be <laughs> right. They, the broken clock. Yeah. The, no, they they stop telling jokes and instead become them. <laughs> Indeed, it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Ain't, ain't gonna be going to watch his Netflix special or anything. I'll I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. So they were so offended. Oh my god. Oh dear. <sighs> anyway, so 
Second Stream as a format for covering shows like this, in case you're unfamiliar and maybe listening for the first time, possibly because you're interested in this because we're doing Julia Richard. We yeah. don't go into like detail on the plot from start to finish. We'll bring it up where relevant for context on the talking points we'll be using. But otherwise, we're just going to go straight into the prime rib, you know. We're going to go straight into the, uh, you know, the thick, juicy steak. That is the actual discussion of what the show is about and any, like, themes, ideas, motifs, things that we can extract from it rather than simply retelling the plot with a couple of asides. So we are going to make the assumption that you, our wonderful listener, have indeed watched the first episode of Jeweler Richard. If you've not, uh, feel free to check out. It is on Crunchyroll at the moment, which is where a lot of good anime has actually turned up this season as opposed to last time when it was just a barren wasteland. So, mm. hey, that's good. Right, so without further ado, uh, let's get to some talking points here. Do you want to go first, Doc, or shall I? Well, um, why don't you go first? I've I've got uh, plenty of stuff that, that I could talk about, but, like, I am kind of at this moment trying to synthesize some of it in my head, and it may organically uh, happen uh, if you lead the discussion off. Hmm, I will. Okay, then, so... Just to give you all a bit of context, as is necessary, like, Jula Richard, the titular Richard, that is, of the show. Uh, Ruby Rich. Ruby Rich. <laughs> um, he is a dual evaluator, so, you know, has a look at it, sees, like, what carrot is, that kind of thing. I mean, admittedly, like, my knowledge of gem starts and ends of what you collect as part of, like, you know, your average Sonic run, so, you know, leave it that. That's all I really know. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. I'm, I, I am not wrong. Like, that is half joke. Thinking half... about Obama now. Oh, because man. I just, the fucking internet. <laughs> yeah, or maybe what I watched in the various Avengers movies. Who knows? Uh, All right. Anyway, uh, but yeah. And the thing I find, like, interesting about this show to start off with is that I'll, I'll just sum up my general thoughts, really, in that it didn't blow me away, but it was very cozy as, a, as an opening episode. Like, it was uncomplicated, undemanding, but there is... A little bit more to it than that. Like if you appraise it yes. a bit more closely, like the jewels in the show itself. That's right. Uh, yeah, you gotta I, get the I, little yeah. monocle. Yeah. Uh, what is it? A microscope, and you got to look at the anime through that. And only then will its true quality uh, come to light. Mm, indeed. So let me ask you a question, then, Doc, to start this discussion off here uh, with the knowledge that you know that's who Jeweler Rich is. He actually is an evaluator of gems. You yourself are married, if I recall correctly. And you're not married to a Dakimura. You do, you do recall correctly. And you're not yes. married to a Dakimura either, that I, that I do remember. No, indeed. It's a, she's a real, living, breathing person. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, as opposed to being married to a very, you know, not living, not breathing person. That would be awkward. It would. So, it would, dear. obviously, as you know, part of the process of you, um, <clears throat> you know, getting married, you will <laughs> you'll exchange... <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm genuinely lost now. What what got what made? Oh, you... is that, it just it felt like you were awkwardly trying to talk about like bring up the subject of sex. No! Oh my god, <laughs> that's not the kind of ring I'm talking about here, you fool! <laughs> okay. God damn it! Right, oh, no. Um, okay, engagement rings. Yes, thank you. Engagement and wedding rings. So you obviously bought them. I assume you bought them, or did you inherit them from a family member? Oh, I bought mine. I uh, worked uh, for at least the summer, and maybe also like part of a Christmas holiday. It's been it's been like fourteen years here, so um, 
Yeah. So, but I, I worked quite a bit uh, and saved up a bunch of money to buy my ring. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I... Her ring. <laughs> fair play. If I may expand upon that then, uh, will you in turn then potentially uh, bequeath your engagement ring or rings, or maybe even uh, your wife will do that, uh, to your kids when they're older and they may be interested in getting married? Well, there's a story behind this. Ah. The story is that Annie lost her engagement ring. So ah. No. <laughs> Was it possibly no was do. it possibly stolen by a pickpocket on a subway train? Oh, I, that would be a much cooler story. No, it was only uh, in one of the m- several moves we made early in our marriage. It disappeared somehow. Ah, uh, that's unfortunate. Well, the reason I'm bringing this all up and uh, drawing this out from you is, well, firstly, I haven't gotten married yet, so uh, you know, would be bachelorettes of the anime world, you know, come hit me up. Not really. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But um, his number is five five five. <laughs> no. five 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 good time <laughs> right no um the reason i'm the reason i'm bringing this up though is because like obviously your rings have real value to you and including like whatever gems you may have got probably a mm-hmm. diamond i'm gonna assume but if you think about it like rings and gems like they are just minerals like they don't have any inherent value in themselves apart from what we as humans ascribe to them am i right so far would you say Sure. Yeah. I mean, certainly they have practical applications, like diamond itself is a, a mineral used in a number of industrial like um, applications, such as even like drill bits and whatnot. But generally speaking, yeah. like we, um, as a like culture, like a collective culture across pretty the entire planet, I would argue, we value gemstones for their rarity and also their aesthetics. And oftentimes, I think that you know we can go so far as to like how to put this, uh, do some pretty nasty shit as a result of that. Oh, man. I was hoping we wouldn't, like, take this turn. (laughs) It can't really be avoided because of the fact... It is a can of worms. (laughs) It it is a can of worms, yes. Um, But that's the reason I'm bringing this up, because if you think about it, like, the entire thesis of the show, I think, is the experiences that are built around the individual gems that no doubt will be covered episode and episode, such as the Pad Paradasha one that appears in here. Um... But, like, on their own, they are, like, they're just rocks, aren't they? And Shiny, shiny rocks. Shiny rocks. Big, you know, big blue diamonds, as that song goes. Big blue diamonds. Sorry, I apologize. I'll ne- I, I will <laughs> never do that again. Um, Who's in the sky with diamonds? What's the song? That would be Lucy. Uh, also, Lucy. Also Thank famously you. covered by William Shatner at one point. Oh, sweet lord. I, I would I would use that for the opening to this music, but if ever I redo the Land of the Lustrous podcast, that's getting Lucy in the Sky of the Diamonds. Okay, indeed. indeed. By Shatner, of course. I'm not using the regular version for that. Do Do you think that that is Richard's favorite anime since oh, he came to oh, Japan? Oh, easily, easily. It must be. It's, it's not even. It it's not be. even close. Not even close. But I think that like that's it's a whole different kind of perspective on fan service there. Hmm. Oh, he's looking God. at the ladies with the monocle you know the microscope man come on guy like chill and he's like no you don't understand investigating their their purity and they're like "Ooh, you're a weird like n- come on and he's like no you are, like you are very dangerously close into writing <laughs> fan fiction here doc i'm just gonna say uh but anyway the reason I bring this up is because I find actually really fascinating about Jula Richard conceptually is that I think the author actually has a... Well, firstly, they are really into the idea of gemstones and such, and I'll explain why when we get to Richard as a character later. But I think they have actually classed onto a really interesting facet of gemstones and, like, how we value them as humans in that 
oftentimes there is a story behind their purchase because they are inherently without like intrinsic value necessarily like any value that we um you know have for them is something that we have either understood as society kind of thing or rather as in the case in this episode it's something that has individual value or indeed negative connotations to it Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm actually really intrigued by this, how it's using like the idea of gemstones and extrapolation to look at people's lives and like why hope will be interesting week on week stories like of personal drama and such. I mean, the one we get in this episode, I will be honest, it didn't it didn't light my world on fire. It works and it was effective mm-hmm. enough in its own right, but I also think that's kind of um an inevitable trait of it being the first episode because it has to do double duty of also introducing us to Seiji and to Richard as well. It has to cram both of these narratives into the same, uh, you know, 22 minutes approximately. And it does work. It's certainly not a bad episode, don't get me wrong. But I'm just hoping that going forward when we get more in cases of, hey, can you have a look at this diamond and tell me about the history of it or whatever, that we will in turn get much more like detailed and in-depth like uh, histories of characters and their interactions with each other. Um, but yeah, I appreciate the offer having the eye for that and actually finding what otherwise would be, you know, guy evaluates jewels. Seems kind of mundane on the face of it. Like this would be very niche. <laughs> but I, I appreciate that they've got an understanding of the idea that, you know, so much of our interest in jewels is based on like, you know, how they are used in relationships with each other. And also, I will get into it later, um, how it can also be used to turn like countries, uh, you know, bad even, shall we say. Oh, I, I don't okay. I, I don't mean to dwell on it, but it is going to be relevant because there's something that was specifically mentioned in this episode that I thought, there's no way that was put in there for fun in games. The author has a very, very clear understanding of, like, you know, where gemstones come from and also perhaps a tiny little bit of the history behind them as well. Yeah, so this is a really interesting observation you made. And I feel like it's one of the kind of two main points that the show was probably reverse-engineered from. One being, like, probably the rough character designs of Segi and uh, Richard. Mm-hmm. Thinking, all right, we have these two beautiful men, and we mm-hmm. like them to, to interact and have a relationship. The other being, like you said, um, trace characters' lives through the lens of, like, the transactions of, of jewelry. And that's super interesting, like, as a... Uh, as a way to track significant things and in, in people's lives, um, yeah, I like that. I like that. Mm. Um, here is uh, a thing that I thought of when I was watching the episode. Well, no, wait, actually, let me backtrack because um, you gave your general impressions as well, and so uh, I'll just say, generally speaking, like the show as a whole, I found um, a little on the slow side. Mm. And that's neither good nor bad. I think it just is. And I think that's a very, very much is... yeah. I think that's very much your mileage may vary is gonna fit sort of thing. Like if you want something very slow and just very comfortable, uh, that's great. And this that's what this is providing certainly. Yeah, I mean sometimes you'll be in the mood for people talking, and other times you won't. And and you know as we get more attached to the characters and invested in them that will become inherently more interesting mm-hmm. the, the conversations and things like that um but uh it was um like you said very pleasant uh which is quite a nice contrast given what we just come <laughs> up um and like 
it, it was, I guess, toward the end, starting to lose me a little bit until um, the sort of emotional climax happened. And, you know, Segi has the flashback to where, you know, his uh, grandmother is comforting him when he's saying, why do people always make fun of me? Why am I getting bullied because I do the right thing? And she says that she's so proud of him. And you see teardrops fall on the, on the jewelry case. And at that moment, I was definitely like hit in the feels big time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I dug that a lot. And I dug how Richard just kind of um, quietly let him have his moment. And I think that speaks well of the character. You know, he's not something like, you know, are you a man crying? You crying on the train right now? What the fuck is the matter with you? Or like, <laughs> oh, I'm going bonkers now. This is great. Like tears. Oh my. He's not like, I just enjoy, and this is, I guess the tar like uh, indicative of the target audience of the original material because Richard compared to like, say Sherlock Holmes, right? If we're going to, well, yeah, we might, we're going to do, yeah, we might as well know, bring this out now that the, like you and I are discussing off cast in, some sense, like we are covering a Sherlock Holmes adaptation again, kind of. Sort so yeah, of, right. With, I mean, House MD, for example, is often cited as a show that borrows heavily from Sherlock Holmes, but obviously it's very different in terms of its setting and such. And you can certainly see parallels here, where we've got this somewhat aloof character with a real penchant or penchant, if you want to call it. Like, I don't know. I'm not French. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> you know, a real affinity, shall we say, for detail in a particular area of expertise. Um, but it's also a bit aloof and then runs into this like very ideally idealistic young person etc etc and they start working together and you can see the thing there i mean granted you know we don't open this particular episode with the graphic mutilation of a young woman so that's a plus point well big plus uh also big plus like i was saying richard is not um actively an asshole right like he's as you say distant he's a little cold and formal um but he is not unhelpful. He is does not appear to be uh, super egotistical or anything like that. Um, he is, yeah, he's just kind of a, a little bit cold and distant. And that is the gap that Segi will have to cross. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll have to get close to him. But I'm glad he just doesn't have to overcome, like, the narcissism. Uh, or anything like that. And I don't know, I just like this version of the concept of expert detective far, far more than someone who is just a man-child wrapped up in their own intelligence. Yeah, where it's an ego trip more than anything else, as opposed to actually being about the details in question. Um, Yes. I I have an agreement. Um, If there's something I should uh, mention as well, by the way, uh, I like this is a small point, but I do find it funny that we have Seiji being called Seiji because that is justice, you know, in mm-hmm. Japanese. And oftentimes when I run into characters who have really obvious names like that, like, let's say, Eren Jaeger from Attack on Sight, and I'm just like, oh, God, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, how long did that take you to think up, you know? Mis- he loves booze. <laughs> oh, He's I Meister ha- Jaeger. I hate, I hate you so much right now. <laughs> I, I... Fuck's <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, you know, Attack on Titan was pretty boring at points, so it did drive me to drink, so I suppose it's all fits. But no, like, you know, 
I appreciate at least that the author was self-aware enough to actually recognize, hey, you know what? I did literally name my character Mr. Justice, so I'm going to have people be aware of that fact and comment on it, even if it is yes. negative. But, I mean, that, you know, that in itself, like, you know, becomes kind of a part of the show's idea, which is that, you know, it's about what you, you know, you've got this guy's name and deep growing to that because, like, hey, I've got the name, I might as well fall in line with it, role expectations, you know, a bit of self-fulfilling prophecy, maybe, who can say? Um... But yeah, I appreciate that just simply because of its self-awareness and rather than just, well, here's Mr. Like, you know, hunting man, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, when you, when you are like, you know, Mr. Psycho or whatever, like, you know, when you call him Mr. John Psycho. John Big Knife. Yeah. When, when you call, <laughs> yeah. When your name is John Big Knife, your career options are inevitably <laughs> narrow somewhat, shall we say. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Well, so the um, can, can I bring up my own small thing? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was just talking about what I thought was the kind of emotional payoff, um, and th- that scene though I have to say, just before the flashback, it was slightly marred for me. Um, let me, let me ask you. May- maybe I'm out to lunch on this. Maybe I'm crazy. But so on the train ride back from. Kobe, uh, you know, Segi has his ring that she refused to accept the the lady that it was stolen from, mm-hmm. and he says um, she refused to take it. Um, she refused to accept it. You know, will she ever forgive her? And I'm assuming he means will she, the lady, ever forgive his mother? You mean his grandmother? Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's right. Uh, Basan, grandmother. Um, but. In, in the prior scene, she did. <laughs> she was saying, I have a message that you could take to her when you visit her grave. Like, tell her to rest in peace. Like, I hope there's no ill will. All is well. I'd have but to... just because she won't take the ring, he's like, she won't forgive her. I, I was really kind of thrown off by that, and it, it just felt... I, I um, could see that, weird. but I think that maybe uh, Segi himself is looking at things a bit too simplistically here. Maybe you ah. know, as in, as in, you know, that it's not the fault of the show, so it's rather his fault for seeing it only in the I black see. and white idea of I must return this piece of stolen property, even though and she didn't accept it, even though she said some nice words. Yeah, mean, well, she has know. a very good reason not for accepting it, as it happens, um, which, yep. funnily enough, will lead on to what I'm going to talk about now. Um, yeah, and listen, that makes sense that Segi would view the world like that because justice, black and white. See, that's how he was kind of um, taught by his grandmother. Yep, which I'll talk about later on. So you go ahead. Then. All right. So one of the big things about Jula Richard as a show that I can see thus far is how you appraise people and not just obviously gemstones. Mm-hmm. I mean, Segi himself is very on the point with that, with the uh, creepy old like you know hands-on guy and the guy mm-hmm. at the at the um, crosswalk. Uh, we, so obviously, you know, we're going to end up dealing with uh, Richard both appraising uh, gems and the people who own them as well. Indeed, as he does with Segi by having the astute observation, that, hey, maybe you should give your mum a call. Because there is a bit of like, you know, how do we put this? Like, there's, they're very cordial over like the over his grandmother, her mother um, and mm-hmm. the history behind them. Because, again, to give context, the reason this ring comes into Segi's possession is because his grandmother, when she was much younger, uh, living as a single mother in uh, Tokyo had oh, i think it was so okay i could be wrong but it's not really relevant uh stole it from this other lady the one you just mentioned when they were on the subway train 
now, what happened following that was that the lady in question actually tried to commit suicide the following day by jumping in front of said train. And she survived, which is good. <clears throat> uh, and uh, Sadie's grandmother tried to then find the, the woman in question when hearing she survived and returned the ring, but was subsequently arrested. Now, the ring in question wasn't on her person, which is why she retained possession of it after the facts. Although I would have thought that if she had been arrested, she would have voluntarily given it back to the police to be returned to said lady. But it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't really care about a plot hole like that, to be quite honest. What I'm getting at, though, is that if you remember, uh, Sadie's grandmother looks at the ring and thought, wow, that's incredible. I want to, you know, I want to take that. I could probably make a lot of money from it. And even then, like, is just enraptured by wearing it on her finger in that back alley. But then recall mm -hmm. the lady's backstory, that the ring was like her in uh, engagement ring to someone she ultimately did not want to be with. She was deeply unhappy. Like, you know, ring uh, every like rings themselves, like, you know, obviously are reminders of someone we treasure, but they can equally be, like, you know, kind of a chain, if you will, if you're wearing... Exactly. Yeah. And that in itself, like, I think is going to be key to the show's, like, overall idea, which is that we will view things very differently. And indeed, sometimes we take actions that may, you know, they will certainly have those consequences. And uh, as Richard astutely points out, you know what? It was a bad thing she did, but she did it for what she felt were good reasons in order to try and protect her daughter, your mother. Because yep. it was couldn't feed them. And in hindsight, though, like, that <clears> old lady... Uh, because that ring was taken from her, now admittedly she did try to kill herself, which by the way, I will not apportion blame to Sadie's grandmother for that. That's not Yeah, it's uh, unclear as like if those incidents are related or not. I'm I'm thinking they are, because I'm assuming that she probably got very like, you know, scared of like revealing to the family, oh, uh, the ring's gone missing, this ridiculously expensive pad paradash. Well she did well she did because she said her father beat her the next day. Well there you go then. Um, but in the process of doing so, like, she did survive, and she actually ended up uh, meeting and marrying uh, the doctor who cared for her. So it ended up actually being her out. Having this thing that bound her to this, like, fiancé that she had w wished nothing to do with, take forcibly taken away from her by someone else who had no idea of that, of course. Uh, that was the case, of course. Like, that set her free. So mm -hmm. you can see how these events, like we have an objective version of events, which is that Sadie's grandmother stole this ring and then things happened. But you can see how they played out very differently uh, in the mind's eye of both of the people involved there. How, hey, it was an awful thing, but at the same time, it was a good thing in the end. Like, you know, good things came of it. And that's, I say, yeah. will be part of the show's idea going on in how we, you know, view events and how what can be perceived as potentially something, uh, you know, quite terrible could in turn actually, you know, without you even necessarily knowing it, actually, you know, give real dividends and really help people out. I'd be interested to see what they do with that duality as we go along. It's funny because we were talking about um, the importance of perspective during our Azokan mm -hmm. uh, stream. And so, like, it comes into play here in a really interesting way because, you know, we're really introduced at the very beginning to, as we said, a rather um, simple uh, or perhaps simple is too uncharitable a word, but a very um, black and white, clear dividing lines uh, kind of version of morality, right? Like mm -hmm. um, there's good things you can do and bad things. Uh, and if you do a bad thing, uh, you'll always be found out. Like it will always, your sins be sure will find you out. Like, right, they'll always catch up to you. Mm -hmm. um, and this whole episode, by the way, I should just say... Um, touch the sentimental nerve for me as someone who's uh, 
kind of moral education, if you will, like moral center was also developed by his grandmother. Mm. Um, so, you know, she was the most religious person in our house. She informed a lot of my, my faith, even if like early on when I was a kid, it was, um, pretty extreme and kind of, uh, developed more nuance and moderated and changed as I grew older and older. Um, and then eventually kind of, um, set aside, but like, I don't know, it was a very important thing, an important part of my growing up to become who I was. And so the fact that this sort of specific, uh, element is in this show is again, um, it, it makes it, uh, a hit close to home sometimes, hmm. um, in ways that I was not expecting, but, but getting back on track, um, the simplistic kind of uh, way, that's, again, God, I use that word. Again, I think that's uncharitable. The very straightforward uh, way of looking at uh, ethics and morality is pretty quickly shown to not have enough uh, tools and equipment to kind of deal with reality mm -hmm. and uh, the world that we live in. Because as you said, um, things begin to occur like the old man uh, tries to take advantage of someone who merely wants to help him. Mm -hmm. And she tried to do the right thing, but uh, it almost, if not for Sagi, uh, ended up uh, costing her that it almost did a bad thing ended up happening because, you know, appearances can be deceiving. There are people that are honest. There, and there are gems or people that can be fake. Right, and intention, <clears throat> in addition to actions, and grandmother's very much like the action is the thing that matters. But we quickly see that intention uh, and attitude and motivation behind actions actually is just as, if not more, important. And then, again, that comes through in the saga of the grandmother and uh, the pickpocketry on the train and it's really interesting because, again, she sees things very straightforwardly and she put together a sequence of events in her head, right? Mm -hmm. That I took the ring from the lady. The next day, the lady jumped in front of a train. Uh, she connects the dots, believes she's at fault, and it affects the rest of her life. You know, she keeps the ring as kind of her cross to bear, as Seggy says. But a, a mere change in perspective, as you pointed out, reveals that this event... Although the intentions were quite, uh, were bad, uh, quote unquote, at least how they're framed initially are bad uh, on the part of the grandmother. It led to some good things ultimately in the life of, um, of the lady who was pickpocketed. And this is not me, of course, saying that, oh, there's a, everything has a reason behind it. Oh, damn. Everything you, you, happens for a reason because that's not what I think is true. You've ruined my um, plans to go pickpocketing like, you know, on trains tomorrow. <laughs> God damn it. I could, I could have got my hands on some serious bling and in addition to that, I could have yeah. potentially also changed someone's life for the better because oh, I removed them of their tacky damn bling. Damn it. Yeah. Sorry to pull the rug out from under you. God damn it. it. It's more, it's less of that, less of the principle sufficient reason sort of you know, everything has a reasonable explanation and everything is connected for good. It's more like just that we actually can't know everything. And so mm -hmm. 
making decisions and ascribing moral blame and and praise um, should not be like done lightly, especially when the decisions are very drastic. Uh, and again, it turns out that by the end of the show, we are given leave to view even the grandmother's intention and motivation as not bad, but good because with a slight change of perspective, as you say, we see something that is sort of a black and white, ah, oh, she stole from people, she's a thief. And you just add, add some wrinkles to it. Look at it at a different point of view. She's trying to provide for her one and only daughter, and she's doing it in the only way she knows how, and isn't that kind of an admirable thing? And so mm-hmm. I just enjoy how from the place we start at, um, it kind of... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like we see uh, layers added upon it. And I am I am interested in, in try, maybe following, if, if this continues, um, the, the ethical framework that it kind of sets up. And mm. yeah, just kind of track actions and intentions and other aspects of morality and moral philosophy that they introduce. Because I think that they've set up something um, kind of cool that they could uh, work with. And, you know, even if it's just um, episodes where they just reinforce these ideas with different stories, I think that that could still be good, entertaining, um, and also uh, pretty useful and important. Mm, Indeed. So I have another talking point, but do you have any, do you want to throw in at this particular point, Doc? Right. Oh, I just talked for a long time. Right. <laughs> okay, ahead. okay. so the reason I asked you before about the idea of if you had an engagement ring that you would give to your kids is because there's a kind of accumulation of history um, over time that we associate with rings and jewellery and valuable objects. Not even necessarily like actual like, you know, diamonds and stuff. But I mean, hey, I've got stuff in my uh, room. Oh here. man, is this, um, is this some man in the high castle shit? possibly quite possibly have you have you read this book i read it a very long time ago i admit uh-huh uh-huh is that that is uh gibson yes no, or Kit, is that philip no, dick. dick that's philip dick. so yeah it's a, the other diamond dick it's the other... <laughs> <laughs> no i think in that one um isn't uh history kind of currency like when you barter things right like uh, oh this object has more history uh, and so it's worth more. It's I been believe a that that's very the case. long time since I've read it. It has been a long time for me too, <laughs> like over a decade. But I remember that. Um, I, I have what I think are strong memories of that. Hmm. Please correct me, audience, if I'm wrong on this. Yeah, tell tell him about the other famous dick. Please do. <laughs> uh, tell me about all the dicks. Absolutely. So the reason I'm bringing this up though is because, like, um, I, I like to say I've got objects of my own that have value, like that I've. In- I've inherited from my grandparents. Like I have like two elephant statues. You might think, what the fuck? But my grandparents actually bought them for me. Uh, so I would remember them. And I unfortunately lost my grandfather last year. So that's why now this has even more value than it originally did. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because think about why in the end, uh, say he decides to keep the ring. He could in theory sell that. Uh, in fact, he has the opportunity to sell that rather, I mean, say to Richard, who offers to buy it from him. But if you look at the life of the ring as we know of it in the show, it goes through three discrete stages. Uh, first of which is, of course, that it's owned by the woman in question who jumps in front of the train after it's stolen from her. That At that point, that ring to her symbolizes like imprisonment and discontent. Every time she looks at it, she would be reminded, oh, I'm stuck with this complete prick of a man and my life is done. That's it. I will never experience happiness again. 
Then, in turn, Segi's grandmother steals it from her, retains it after the fact, but it is then a reminder of her own, um, you know, like, moral failure, shall we say, like, or what she perceives as a moral failure, in that she stole something from this other woman that then she believed led to her jumping in front of the train. Uh, which is true in the sense that it did lead her to do that, but not for the reasons that she believed. But nonetheless, this now has different me- has its own discrete meaning to her, as opposed to the other woman. Like, this ring, same objects, different, you know, meaning. And then finally, we get to the end of the episode, and this is now Segi's possession. And now it has new meaning for him, because mm. he's essentially redeemed his grandmother's memory in his own mind, and he keeps it as a, as a keepsake for that purpose. You know, the ring with all of this negative history behind it, like it now has been cleansed and now has a new, more positive like connotation to it going forward. Mm -hmm. So even though it is the same object that it's always been, it has gained new meaning, like and new layers to it as the years have gone by, which I find really interesting. Like, again, this is this thing then and this is it now. And that's why I mentioned the idea of you bequeathing the engagement rings, because, you know, it's a discrete part of your life, and it becomes part of your kids if you ever were to do that. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. No, this is uh, value. What is value? How do Mm. we assign value? And, yeah, it's just one of those things that, uh, I don't know, makes you think about how, how anything is valued and how sort of, arbitrary in some ways that can be yeah Um, i mean but but not bad mm -hmm. but you know what i mean like just it's one of those i don't know thinking about i I remember the first times i thought about um sort of money being uh not necessarily not real but just sort of like well people just decide this like regular people and they can just could have decided something else um it's one of those things that sort of um can unsituate your reality but also can be kind of freeing like oh there's you know a lot is arbitrary but but that's okay like Mm. that means we can change it i mean if richard had bought that ring for example i imagine that once he gets his shot up he would he would have put it up for display and then it would have just been that it would have been a ring so i actually think that for as much as like say he might want to have sold that for the substantial wad of bills he would have received for it i mean that's a like a pink sapphire that can't be you know uh that can't be cheap let's put it that way <laughs> um i think that he made a wise decision i think he grew as a person a little bit because he recognized that this thing that he ultimately wanted rid of now has value for him beyond totally. the monetary totally. kind because of you know him going through and trying to return it and in turn getting the full story of its history and then in a kind of like patchwork way adding on to that history which i think is really neat it is neat and again it will be another cool lens to look at the show through and i'm and yeah i appreciate again back to that initial observation you made about uh gems and their transactions and and kind of following the gems uh as a way to uh track significance in people's lives and different events that's um that's kind of neat and uh yeah, and this whole show is kind of neat in, in a lot of ways. Hmm. I do have another talking point, but I'll again pass the baton over to you, Doc, if you have more to say. Uh, well, I think... I, I think that in my longer talk, I got through most of the notes that that I actually took. 
um, yeah, I think I've mentioned everything that I wanted uh, to say about this episode. So I pass it right back to you. Oh man, it's a boomerang. I wasn't ready for it's, this. What I, if I, I did not approve of this? What if Miki just turned back around and hit Rio with the baton? I'd be okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it would be it would be funny. Uh, I would it would be <laughs> well worth it. Maybe even there's like I, I man, I wish we, I wish anime had like the old like you know '90s Pixar film style outtakes. When he just animated mm-hmm. extra scenes where stupid shit happens, that would oh, be that would great. that would be great. Uh, we'll discuss that another time because um, <laughs> I think that'd be quite a fun exercise. Okay, so I'm gonna unfortunately end this on a little bit of a sour note here. Um, in some respects, not all of them. So Richard specifically mentions at the end of the episode that his grandmother was actually born in the country where that paradasha originated from, and no, it's not the island from Land of the Lustrous. Man, I, I, I really think, like, as much as you was, like, doing your fan art thing there, I was thinking, like, man, Rutile would lose lose their shit. No, yes. it, yeah. Like, did someone say Pad Paradasha? Uh, you've not... You've not... <laughs> Is she a character in the show? Or you, you, are they a character? I'm sorry. You will encounter them eventually. Uh, yeah. That's not a massive spoiler, by the way. They have been... Oh, they, cool. Okay. You, you can relax on that. But anyway, besides the point, he mentions that his grandmother was from Sri Lanka, now, I erroneously, after the first watch, assumed this was Sierra Leone because, how do I put this mildly, like, Africa in general has had a very bloody history over, well, conflict diamonds, conflict gems, and all sorts of other things. Sri Lanka itself, as it turns out, when I was researching for this, has actually had, like, an ongoing civil war that only ended after, like, 20 plus years in 2009, from my memory. Hmm. Uh, and in of itself, like, you know, according to this article I have from Wikipedia, the most trusted source on the internet, hey, hey, um, hey, hey. it was, um, like, originally known as uh, Ratna Dweeper, which means Gem Island. And on top of that, if I recall correctly, I think that uh, Richard's grandmother hails from Ratnapura. Uh, and would you believe it, again, according to Wikipedia, Ratnapura on Sri Lanka it has the most gem deposits, uh, you know, on the island and is named City of Gems. So in case you're thinking that, you know, Seiji himself, like, got away with, like, being named very obviously, Richard's, like, own family history is deeply embedded in the idea of gems and gemstones, just from where he came from. And yet, here's the thing about my mis- misunderstanding of Sierra Leone versus Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka did have a civil war, but a civil war was not one where the one side was heavily financed through diamond smuggling, blood blood diamonds, conflict diamonds and such. And I think this might have been a mild misopportunity on the show's part to have... Well, I mean, maybe this is me again projecting a bit here, but I think it would have actually benefited uh, this early episode if there had been drops that say Richard had come from another country apart from Sri Lanka that was still deeply, like gem or your know, jewel heavy that had that history behind it where that was a big source of the conflicts because i think it would go to show like how again in its own way even though it's not one specific gem but many gems they in turn have influenced his life simply you know even the con- manner of which he was born and like raised um as a result of that so uh, this is why i mentioned like in the start of the podcast like that gems themselves uh have you know like we have of course the ones that are personal to us but like a lot of other things there's also how they can impact society mm-hmm. and i feel like this is something i wish the show had leaned into a bit more not right now but rather that he had set up the stall for that with richard's history as a character i mean when it said sri lanka 
I was like, there's no way that's been put in there for ran- for random, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. There's yeah. no way the author picked Sri Lanka out on, like, you know, a globe or, like, they got halfway through the Animaniacs song and decided to use that <laughs> instead. <laughs> what a pull. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that maybe, you know, like, as much as this is a character drama, I do also think that, you know, it might have been better if it... Well, not better per se, but rather it would have been... A stronger work if it also included the idea of how gems can impact society and how they can ultimately like damage like the livelihoods of thousands of people. I mean, I was reading the uh, the Wikipedia article over Sierra Leone um, before I rewatched the episode and realized I was completely off base by like a couple of hundred miles. And it does not make for pretty reading how, despite the fact that that country is like so incredibly wealthy in like precious metals and gems, that it's also incredibly poor. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot to be mined, ha ha, from this uh, oh. from this idea that you know gemstones can also deeply change the way a society functions, and often you know at the detriment for its people. And indeed, I was hoping that would play into more of Richard's history, but apparently Sri Lanka is not the case. Their civil war was over some other reason. Um, so missed opportunity, I think. Um, but well, if nothing else, we'll I see. I appreciate the kitsch of, like, you know, having Richard's, like, family history in turn be deeply influenced by gems in some way or another, even if it's just from the origin point of where he, they have came from uh, first, which is neat in its own right. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see. We, who knows? Um, there's plenty of show left for us to figure out what is happening with it and evaluate it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Uh, right, we actually do have patron questions to cover, by the way. Both of these come from whom we mentioned before, uh, Kay, who very passionate about this show. Thank you very much again, your questions, guys, Kay. Uh, I'm going to tell you now, Doc, that you are not going to answer question two. I will answer it. <laughs> okay, well, let me um, let, let me add my final point. I did realize I have one more thing to say before we get to patron questions, and that is to Fantasy and Co. Mm-hmm. Did you did you see the sign? I did. The, I think the restaurant they were eating at maybe was called. Uh, it was just the letter T, and then the word fantasy with no. Bra- it was just all one word to fantasy, <laughs> to fantasy and co. And it made me laugh. I had to rewind it and just. It was great. A great moment for me. I I, uh, I just had to uh, <laughs> rewind myself actually to find the um, <laughs> the calling card, the business card for the question that we're going to cover in a moment. Oh, right. boy. So hit, I mean, hit me with, uh, with we'll, Kay's question. All right, we'll do question one first, then. Um, why do you think Richard asked Segi specifically to work part-time for him? Richard's clearly not new at his job. He's experienced and no doubt had experiences with all sort of customers, yet he doesn't seem to have asked any of them about it. He brought up the Pad Paradasha and his grandmother being from Sri Lanka, but a coincidence like that alone seems questionable as the sole reason to recruit someone. Thoughts, and then there's an emoji which I don't recognize, but I can't really visualize nah. that. Uh, I I just think it's because, you know, unlike well for two reasons, um, I think he surprised Richard and interested him, and Richard doesn't seem like the kind of person that's surprised very often. But just the whole bit of where Segi is wanting to know about a ring, and Richard clearly knows early on that this is a stolen piece of of jewelry here Mm -hmm. what is this kid after is he trying to resell it is there some sort of scam going on and it's like no i'm just really really kind and i want to return and richard was caught off guard and interested um 
And also, I think the kindness itself, um, I believe Richard, see, he cares about, you know, he's very, speaking straightforward, he is very straightforward, you know, when he tells Seiki, like, oh, hey, uh, if I were a dishonest person, I could swindle you right now. And Seiki's like, but would a dishonest person really say that? Oh, I guess not. I guess I'm a really helpful guy. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think he is, and I think he values how kind um, Seiki is. And sees that as a, a huge asset um, and, and someone who values actually really helping other people and not just getting the job done quickly or efficiently or whatever, like actually seems to care about helping people. And the fact that he's tied in with the family history doesn't hurt either. Absolutely. Uh, I'll add to that that I think there's one other thing that can be said, which is that, well, obviously Richard himself is, you know, a jewelry, you know, appraiser, like, you know, he's got an eye for that. Uh, he judges, you know, the quality of gemstones. I think Seiki himself has demonstrated that he's a good judge of the quality of people, at least insofar as recognizing the cre- creepy, pervy hey. old man. So mm-hmm. I think that maybe in some sense, like, I mean, Richard is new to town and he was already accosted by those drunks, uh, but Seiki did step in. So I think that Richard may very well want him as a partner because he complements his own skill set well by, you know, being a good judge of character. Mm-hmm. Totally. Whether or not it then develops into natural friendship beyond that is something that it can expand on, of course. Oh, it must. Oh, it, it will. It will, of course it will. But like, <laughs> I think the initial reasoning makes a lot of sense Like from a purely like pragmatic standpoint. Like, hey, I'm new in town. Like, And hey, I am also not exactly the most like outspoken kind of person. I don't really necessarily stand up for myself. So, you know, having a local help me who also in himself seems to have an interest in gemstones that, yeah, I'd be a fool for not seizing on this opportunity and asking if they would, you know, work with me. Makes sense? Totally. All right, so it's question number two now. And this this one is... I've There's a reason I've said that you're not going to do this one and I'm going to do it because I yeah, think I, it's... Yeah, I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Kay asks, can you say Richard's full name ten times fast? For those of you who may not know, I am a serial moron when it comes to pronouncing anyone's names. So I have to get it right initially. And ten times fast. And uh, Richard's name is is quite long. Oh, man. So, Doc, I'm going to ask you to count for me. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Richard Rashina de Vulpin, 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 Richard Rashina de Vulpin. Ah, I did it. Yes! <laughs> I have won no, this Friday. Did, did you do it correctly? I don't Bro, know. No, of course I didn't. <laughs> of course I didn't. You know full well I butchered that like, you know, a prime steak. <laughs> uh, good try, though. I, I, gave it a, I gave it a shot. So uh, yeah. thank you very much, Kay, for including that. Uh, I really I really appreciate both those questions. Uh, if you yourself, you know, are a patron of ours and would like to ask us questions as we cover ongoing shows such as... Um, Jewel of Richard, or even Izukin, for example, um, feel free to, you know, do so in our Discord. And if you're not a patron, feel free to subscribe. Get yourself, you know, on the uh, $2 plus tier for that, I believe. Um, is it $2 plus or is it $3? I, I always get this mixed up because my memory is shockingly bad. <laughs> so for $2, the lowest tier, you can get on the Discord and get involved in all the discussion. But uh, to ask us questions about the shows we're covering uh, on Second Stream or Stream of Thought... Uh, it is the $3 or above tiers. There we go, then. 
Right, uh, well, that brings us to the end of our initial Julia, uh, Richard discussion for episode one. I'm... I'll say this, like, if time were more limited and I were not watching this as part of a page request, I don't know if I'd necessarily continue, but I think there's certainly promise here in this show that I, I would also note that I've seen a lot of reviews be quite critical of it. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily merited. I mean, I understand, like, we've got a show for very, like, sorry, a season for very strong premieres here, like Izokin and Somali the Forest Spirit. And so something that is much more of a slow burner like this, I understand people might have a relative reaction to where they're not quite as into it or indeed well, listen, just S- somali's a slow burner too <laughs> let's not S- somali's let's very not energetic ourselves. though that's the thing there's a there's a lot well, there's of energy- a lot of scenes of just like her looking around but she's enthusiastic <laughs> but about that's though. true that's, no, that's why you're right okay that's fair so uh i but i don't think like the criticism necessarily that harsh i mean again i'm not gonna pretend this is any like it doesn't hold a candle to izuka as far as my reaction to it i will be honest about that but i certainly think there's promise here i mean well i suppose like i should end the podcast on a fitting metaphor for the show itself which is that it'd be worthwhile to take a closer appraisal of it shall we say? <laughs> oh my God. too good i'm just too good at this you can't stop me <sighs> so i guess that's it for our coverage of the turquoise boys for this week. <laughs> you've been you've been wasting on that. I have you are, you have had that banks ever since you watched done. this episode. I know you too well. <laughs> well, only the timings. I came up with it while we were talking. I did um, Google common gemstones and looked through and did a quick pun uh, uh, calculus, I guess, in my brain. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. So we will, of course, be back next week to cover episode two. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our coverage of Jeweler Richard, uh, and we'll certainly yeah. be coming back next week, giving another look-see. Hopefully it does, as I say, now really go more in-depth on the individual character stories now that it's got the initial setup out of the way. I mean, that's there's always a certain amount of awkwardness I find in a lot of fiction in general in just getting the over the initial hump of getting the stage set, so to speak, yep. you know, laying the table, kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I find myself, um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, and, you know, it's been a minute since that has happened in this space. So, <laughs> I mean, that's good. I, I mean, you know, I'm not dreading, like, you know, ne- the following week or anything like that. I'm not no. thinking to myself, like, oh, good God. Why, do, why can I not be hit by a meteorite or something? <laughs> right. Uh, do we know how long the show is yet? I'm going to... Thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. <laughs> uh, we'll answer that question later. Uh, I don't know is the honest answer, but I'm sure that we'll mention it next time. I'm looking it up as we speak. Um, it's unknown, so... For all we know, it could be 50 episodes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we'll man. See. We'll see. We'll see. All right. But anyway, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I hope you have a fantastic evening. Uh, and as we're often fond of saying here on the podcast, because we're Macross stands, you know, why not? Uh, embrace your for everyone to the ends of the universe. Good night. Mwah. Good night. And of course-